listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies, here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On The Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. And Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Go to www.qr.com.au. G'day again, it's great to have you with us for episode 94 of On The Road. This week, Mike and Rod Hanafy have a chat about the National Road Freighters Association annual conference coming up soon, and as always happens when these two truckies get their heads together, the conversation just grew and diversified from there. Later in Something to Talk About, Mike yarns about how to look after your health on the road, appropriate items you should have in your first aid kit, and a whole lot more. As always, we've got all the latest from the On The Road newsroom, along with great new music from Aussie music sensations Wesley Dean and Colin Lilly. So set your phone on Do Not Disturb and enjoy this week's instalment of the On The Road podcast. There's no time like the present, so... Let's get this show on the road! Yes, get on with it! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. As I said last week on the show, we've got the National Road Freighters Association conference coming up on the 9th of July up at Toowoomba. Everyone's invited to come and we'll talk about that down the track. I've got Rod Hanafy with me, the president of the National Road Freighters Association, have a bit of a talk about the conference and a few other things going on in the world of trucking at the moment. Rod, morning, mate. Welcome. How are you? Good morning, Mike. Good yourself, mate. It's sort of that time of year where things be a little bit brisk and cold, isn't it? I've sort of been from one end of the country to the other and you get one place and it's cold and then it's hot. You can't keep up with it, eh? Yeah, mate. Well, 33 up in Darwin today. They tell me you've been up there a bit lately. Oh, mate. First time I've been up there for a little while, took a tripler. Um, we do a fair bit to Mount Isa and, yes, yeah, lovely and warm up there, but you yeah, had to get the doona out a little while ago, so it's that time of year. Yeah, yeah. It was two degrees where I slept the other night out at Wyalong. It was bloody cold, I'll tell you. The National Road Freighters Association Conference on the 9th of July, mate. What have we got to look forward to there? Mate, it's uh, obviously like everything else we had to defer because of COVID. We had planned to have it there previously and the hope now is that we can sort of get back to being face-to-face. It's one thing to do Zoom meetings and the like, Mm. but we have invited a number of people and then look, uh, eight of our members attended or we ended up with 11 actually. We actually picked up a member while we were at the ATA conference on the Gold Coast. Right. So we went there to see what they do and how they do it and, and to have a say. It's, it's one thing, mate, to be on the outside and complain and whinge. Mm. And I'm sure you agree we have plenty of people who are happy to do that. Mm. But you've either got to be in the tent and have a say because if you're on the outside whinging about it, it's not the same. You, you don't get to have that say. You don't really get to contribute or have any sort of inkling in where the direction of the, the conversation goes. So we made the effort to go to the ATA convention. I've got to say that we did a debrief afterwards. We discussed the value of it because like everyone, every association, mate, what your members pay goes into things that you do. But look, one of our uh, constituents actually offered up quite a, a substantial contribution to us attending and we had a debrief afterwards. Their last session we thought was going to be a parliament session mm. where you would help decide the focus of, of the ATA perhaps. But it turned out to be sort of a question and answer thing, and that was a little bit disappointing. So we've aimed deliberately to look at industry problems, and I would imagine you'd agree, mate, that part of the problem with what we have is that everybody will sit back and make suggestions outside, and unfortunately many of them are very critical, mm. but to get something done is bloody hard work. Yeah. And our hope is that we're going to have this session and come up not only with what the industry's problems are, but with solutions that we can put forward. Yeah. 
So we're going to have Sal from the NHVR. We're hoping to have NTC. We'll have someone from the union along, obviously, myself on the panel. We are hoping that we might get Ken that's doing the HVNL review in there. Yep. And we want to say, here's a problem, but here's a solution that's come from people on the road. And as a perfect example, mate, I've just had quite a row with transport in New South Wales now. Right. They did have a section of road south from Bogabella towards Moree. They tore up 40 kilometres of the old road. I rang them and they started and I said, look, please make sure we don't go backwards in rest areas. Yep. There were sort of 27 spaces there. I said, for goodness sake, we can't go backwards. What did we do? We went from 27 back to six. Yep. Now, we can't do that. We don't have enough now. And having criticised them quite widely, they are now actually ringing and saying, we recognise perhaps we didn't do enough consultation <laughs> and we need to do that better. Now, that's taken 20 years to get to that point. It shouldn't have taken that long. Yep. It's a bit like the green reflectors. You know, there are some of them now in the Northern Territory because somebody was up there. But I also rang the Department of Infrastructure and asked are they aware of them. And they said no. And, mate, you go up there in the track rest areas, they're beautifully paved. They've got purple rubbish bins and that's it. Yeah. No toilets, no shade, no chairs, no nothing. Yeah. All the caravan ones have got one, and yet there's only one that I saw, and this came about because the driver's wife said, oh, have you noticed there's none of the truck bays have got toilets? Yeah. So I looked at it on the way home, and I rang them up, and I said, there's a problem, and to be fair, they were interested. Mm. Within 15 minutes, I had a phone call back from somebody up there saying, oh, I believe you've raised the complaint. Let's talk about it. So, mate, one step forward, two steps back, but never give up. A lot of these parking areas out in the middle of nowhere have obviously got nothing. And the excuse that I've always heard put up is, well, there's no one there to service them or look after them. Yep. And I suppose that that's not an unreasonable objection, but really it doesn't take too much to look after a bloody thunderbox, does it? Mate, they're concerned on the cost, and, and you're aware many years ago, the rest areas at the Muldoons. Yep. On the Hume Highway. Now, you know, pretty busy road, lots of trucks use it. Yep. And they said, oh, the maintenance is so high that we're going to close the parking bay. They weren't just going to close the toilets, they were going to close the whole parking bay. Hmm. And, of course, the industry jumped up and down, as it had every right to do, and said, that's ridiculous. But the other thing, mate, is how many times have you seen cars asleep in a car rest area at night? <laughs> Once in a blue moon. Once in a blue moon. Because, you know, all those facilities they built, yes, they're required for them, but they go to waste at night because they can't park in the truck base because they feel a bit safer yeah. rather than being there alone. So if they built the bloody things properly with the facilities for the trucks and the cars together, but separate parking within, yep. we would both get good value out of the money. Otherwise, as they say, they whinge, it's too much to look after it or it's too much to build a truck one and then a car one. And we've missed out for 20 years, mate, and that's got to stop. Yeah. Well, I suppose a prime example of putting the two together that was a problem initially, but it's been sorted out, I suppose, is the rest area at Arawara there. Interesting you should say that because yeah. I come up there the other night. Yeah. Now, when they started the Pacific Highway, I said, you've got to build a truck changeover bay. Yeah. We waited 30 years for one on the here. You know that it's happening here. I'm sure you're aware, mate, that a bloke actually was killed there about three or four months ago. Yeah. Killed by another driver from the same company doing a changeover on the side of the road. And they just ignored that then. Now, I come up the Pacific the other day, haven't been up there for a while. Yeah. I see there's a lot of stopping bays now. Oh, yeah. And that's really helpful, but you can't sleep in any of them. And I saw the sign for Arawara, and I thought, uh, geez, looking at it from here, it doesn't inspire me that it's going to be a good, safe place and I'm going to have trouble getting in and out or whatever it was. Yeah. And I drove past, and I ended up stopping at the BP at Ballina, and there's another argument, like, oh. what's happened to our truck stops? The other day, maybe in the time I've been out, you look at the Caltexes now everywhere, and they're, of course, all becoming Airpole. They are. Nebo, Tunnamulla, Longreach, Tambo, all disappeared, all roadhouses closed out. Yep. Every single one of them. Oh, what's the other one? Yamba. Yep. Kitchen's all gone. Look, as an industry, we were critically recognised by some during COVID, mm. but I think we've been forgotten again. And how the hell are we supposed to remain fit and healthy and keep delivering everything to everyone when they take away every service we need? Yeah. Oh, it's bloody near impossible. There's nowhere that you can really get a decent feed these days. I mean, there are a few roadhouses dotted around, but they're few and far between. As you say, the facilities and things non-existent. I was out at Griffith during the week twice. No roadhouse at Griffith. There's nowhere for you to have a shower. There's nowhere really for you unless you can find somewhere to park at the pub to get a counter meal or something like that. There's no facilities for trucks at Griffith. And look at what Griffith is. It's a hub. It's a regional hub. Yeah. There's nothing there. 
Look at Dumbo, mate. Mm. We've got a two B built in Kamingley. Yeah. A place with twelve people in it. There's yep. gonna be three truck stops there. Yep. There's two in Gill north of Dubbo, and their population's what, a tenth of Dubbo. Yeah. And Dubbo is the crossroads in New South Wales and we don't have a decent truck stop. And until we get a ring road and someone comes and spends some money here, hmm. we are going backwards. And, mate, you and I can survive. We've done it for a long time. Yep. But how are we ever going to get women into the industry when we can't get somewhere to go to the loo? Like, they're going to look at this job and say, in your dreams, mate. There's an argument that women are better drivers in some ways. They're better on the gear. They have a bit more empathy. There's a lot of them want to do this job, and we certainly can't get blokes to do it. Yeah. And if we can't get them to do it, what chance have we got of getting women to come and do line haul when there's not a single facility available for them? Well, the other issue is uh, putting facilities in the prime movers. And one of my passions for a long time is actually getting facilities in the truck, getting some bigger sleepers. It's just a stroke of a pen, really, isn't it? It is, mate, but then funny you should say that in, in that discussion with Territory people, you really wonder, do they think that we have toilets in trucks? Like, I, I don't really think I ever want a porty potty in my truck. No. And, and having a bit more room, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But you've got to say, when Labor offered up that $80 million for rest areas, mate, that was the biggest commitment I've ever seen or heard from any government in all the time I've been on the road for rest areas. Yep. There's been individual things done. But, you know, look at the Pacific where we need somewhere there and nothing's been done there. So I, I'm really hopeful that that's going to be cemented. I have spoken to Glenn Stirl and he'll be attending the conference. Yes. We're all disappointed he didn't get the assistant minister's job, but that's the way the government works and he's still going to be there doing it. So it doesn't mean that anything's going to change in that regard. It just means that we've got to deal with us. And at this stage, we've been told the new federal transport minister will be attending the conference as well. All right, I was told Carol Brown was coming. That's the assistant minister. I didn't know Catherine King was going to come as well. That's what I believe, but obviously we're a little bit away from it yet. We've still got to confirm, but yep. we're, we're really hopeful that's the case. And those people have the say at the top. Yep. It's really good that Glenn's going to still be there and be a part of it. That doesn't mean that him not getting that role means that it's all going to stop. Yep. It's still people we have to deal with that don't live the life. And as I say, at the conference, we virtually devoted the whole afternoon to this panel session where we don't just want to talk about it. We want to offer a solution. We're going to have NHVR, as I say, NTC, we hope, and the minister there, and we hope to offer them a solution because everybody will whinge, mm. but no one actually says, here's a solution. Mate, I've got the new truck now, Kenworth, and I went and visited them at one stage, and they said, it's really, everybody's more than happy to say, this is no good, and that's no good, and this doesn't work, and I want that. Mm. But someone to come in and say, this is no good, because, yep. and here is what would be really helpful or better, is unheard of. But I've got to give Kenworth credit, mate. Since I've got the truck, I sent him a list, and I actually had a fellow ring me two weeks ago, and he spent an hour on the phone going through the list of tiny little things that mean very little to them in cost, mm. but mean a lot to us. Now, they've just released the K220, and, and hopefully some of those things will be in there, and maybe over time they can include some of the others. But you know what it's like to talk about something. But to get something done is really hard, and we've all waited a long time, and I'm hoping that we can actually see some changes in the future, in the very near future. I was hopeful, as were many of us, that due to the communication that we'd had with Glenn Stirl and the relationship that a lot of us had developed with him, and the fact that you don't have to explain the background to him, he knows the background, and it would have been a great advantage to all of us. Having said that, well, I've been assured that this lady, Carol Brown, has the ability to listen. She's got some experience with the MUA and, and things like that. So I suppose she's been in politics for a long time. I'm hoping that she'll know how to get a few things done, and I'm sure she will. But I was having a chat with James Graham about it last week, and very hard to get an interview out of him. So I don't know. We revolve around talking to each other, and I'm just pleased to see that they're going to show up at the conference. At least then we'll have the opportunity to get something to say. Yeah, you've got a new government in there. Now, there are people who have already said, oh, nothing will change. Yep. Now, if that's their attitude, then nothing will change. If you turn around and abuse those people before they've even sat in the bloody seat, then they're going to think, well, why should I help these people? Because all they're doing is abusing me already. Yeah, I, I did fall into that trap in my disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> None of us are perfect, mate. I had a bloke accused me of being a lousy driver the other day, and I said, oh, what, so you're perfect, are you? And yeah. his G changed a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> 
mate, I'll just throw to a bit of a break here. We'll hear from one of our fantastic sponsors and then we'll come back and talk about some other issues. Certainly will do, mate. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. We're back with Rod Hedefi, President of the National Road Freighters Association. We've been talking about all sorts of things. I've had a bit of a spat with Sata, mate. All right, yeah. Yeah, I've incurred their wrath. I've told them that they're bloody pointlessly carrying on about this fuel rebate that we're not getting. Yep. I pointed out that they cut the fuel rebate by 22 cents a litre and you're only getting 17 cents for the fuel rebate. And apparently I've missed the point, according to SADA. Oh, right, eh? I said, you're actually four cents better off. And, of course, they won't have that. I sort of get what they're saying, but I think the real problem is there have been a lot of people that have been using the fuel tax credit, the diesel fuel rebate, whatever you want to call it, as a compulsory savings method to offset the GST on the BAS statement. Yeah, and look, mate, it's, it's criminal the number of companies that have virtually got to that point recently. Mm. And fuel's obviously just another nail in the coffin. But they've got to that point where it's all too hard. They can't get drivers, and we've just discussed some of those reasons. Mm. Look, do we tell people how fantastic it is, and they come into the industry and they do it for two weeks, and they say, Hang on. <laughs> you're absolutely full of it, mate. Bulls- <laughs> you know, this is not how it is. You lied to me yeah. what this job is about. Yeah. And I'm not going to do this anymore, and they walk away. Yep. Or do we try and fix the problems? Because you can't lie to people, then they'll never come back. No, that's right. We have a trouble now where we lose them too early because they don't want to do the job. And here are all these companies that have been in it, what, 40 and 50 years, some of them, just walking away. Mm. Now, you take the good with the bad, and I honestly believe in some ways it is then going to make it easier for us to be recognised and to get paid properly for what we do. Yep. Now, some blokes do and some don't. Yep. Some get cheated and it comes back to perception. Now, the perception, of course, of the public is that we all drive around empty for fun. That's right. Because they don't see the freight. They've got no idea what it's like to do this job. They've got no idea what we give up for them to have their breakfast and their fuel and their food and everything else. And until such times as somebody says, look, it's going to cost you two cents more for your packet of wheat mix or half a cent more for your can of coke to get a bloke decently paid so he can get decent sleep. And look, I've got to say, all of these inquiries that we've been through, the midnight oil inquiry, the road safety inquiry, this current HVNL review, Mm. everyone else come up with good recommendations. And there's the Senate inquiry into a safe and viable road transport industry. Ten recommendations of what did the previous government do? Oh, that's really handy. Yeah, we'll take note of that. Yeah. Do nothing about it. Yeah. Now, we, we have a commitment from this current government because they were part of the inquiry, like both parties were. Yeah. They're going to do it, and we're going to push those recommendations. And, look, I don't want to get to the point of being a pest, but I tell you what, I won't be backing down saying that you've committed to this. Mm. We actually want something done. Mm. We want to see change. We're sick to death of being told, oh, yes, you know, we really appreciate what you did over COVID, but now go back and just survive and get the job done. We want to see something done that makes us safer. Yes. And to those who turn around and say that what we get paid has nothing to do with safety, obviously never lived in a truck on the road. Well, my argument has been for quite some time now, people can't see the relationship between on-road outcomes, road safety, maintenance and safety of trucks driver fatalities, injuries, and, and other on-road incidents, if they can't see the relationship between all that and rates, then they're living under a rock. Well, the same thing applies to fatigue crashes, mate. Like We've seen some terrible ones. You've seen yeah. you know, blokes go off the side of the road, and they don't do it because they want to drive until they fall asleep. No. They do it because of outside pressures. Yeah. They do it because there was nowhere for them to stop at the time. Like It's all well and good to have this thing that vibrates your seat and says, you must pull up now. Yeah. 
where the hell do you pull up if there's nowhere to stop? So where does that improve safety? If you supplied the places in the first place, we don't want Taj Mahal's. We don't need gold-plated bidets every 15 kilometres down the highway, Hmm. but we do need somewhere to stop if you need that get-out and walk around the truck. If you need 15 minutes over the wheel to get to a proper rest area, and then when you get to that rest area, if it's in the daytime, you need a bit of shade. Hmm. If it's in the night, you need separation from other trucks, and you need a bloody toilet every now and then. Yeah. Well, this is the whole short-sighted nature of how things are looked at. I mean, the Gatton pad yep. is a classic example of how badly you can cock it up. And there was a lot of money spent there. Yeah. And with the best of intent, like the same. I don't know anybody that deliberately sets out to make our life hell. Mm. But until we get proper representation, and there was that discussion with, with Transport for New South Wales. Like, I've been ringing them, I've been emailing them, I've been badgering them, I've been asking them. I've been saying, get out and put up some green reflectors for 20 years. Yep. And the only way we've now got them involved is I got fairly critical, and I called them criminally negligent yes. in tearing up 40 kilometres of free parking bays southbound out of Bogabilla. Yep. Now, we know that the money's just not there to throw away, and we know that it costs money to build a park away, which is why we've got to get the best value out of it. We know that they charge us and blame us for damaging the road, but don't recognise the job that we do. Hmm. And yet, how do we do that job without those facilities? And until they recognise and include us in the conversations, and it's about design, it's about placement, it's about the facilities in those sites, and at the moment, we're going backwards on two fronts. There you go. We had 26 spaces in that section they just did up. We went back to six. Yeah. Everywhere you turn, someone's gone and taken away a road shoulder, but go to Darwin. Yeah. They're out there grading the shoulders. Beautiful. It looks fantastic. But now there's 75 kilometres between parking bays because they built the road up and graded the shoulder and taken away those little spots that you can stop in. Hmm. It was the same last time, not last time, time before I went to Perth. Yeah. They've improved the road. It looks marvellous. But if you blow a tyre, if you hit a roo, if you need a leak, for God's sake, when yeah. there's no you know, facilities for 150K, yeah. you can't even pull over safely on a shoulder now. Yeah. And we're going backwards, and that's got to stop. I was talking to my brother oh, last week on the phone. He drives in Tasmania. Yep. And he's up and down from Launceston to the ports, carting containers, and from Launceston down to Hobart, backwards and forwards, and all the work that's been done on the Midland Highway and... Apparently, Tasmania likes cheese cutters like Victoria do. Right. He said that there are stretches there kilometres long where there's nowhere to pull over safely so even a car could get past a truck if it had to stop on the side of the road. He said it, it horrifies him because you're driving down there of a night time because he does a lot of his work at night or in the early morning. Yep. And there'll be animals, kangaroos, wombats and things, and they're trapped between traffic division devices, whether it's cement barriers, Armco rail, cheese cutters, whatever it is they've decided to keep us safe with. Yep. And you just know that when you come back there next time, you're going to see someone hit that animal. It's going to be spread all over the road somewhere. Yeah. Worse than that, there's nowhere safe to pull up. He's pointed out again and again. I mean, and they suffer the same thing. Apparently, Tasmania's that small. You can drive around it in several hours, and you don't need to have a sleep anywhere. <laughs> you know, you said parking bays. You can't find a damn parking bay. Well, mate, you've got to give some credit to the Tasmanian Trucking Association, and, and they went and got $5 million. Now, it hasn't solved the problem overnight. Yeah. But they are getting heard. They are getting some facilities built. Yeah. WA has done some really good work in places as well. But they're the only two states that have been proactive. And Tassie took a lot of pushing from their association. They were very successful. Yeah. The same with Big Roads, mate, when they first started doing the, the UMP. And they've done it virtually from end to end. And I complained bitterly the day they started. And I said, we can't even pull up now to change a tyre. Yeah. They have changed. They have built those overlaps now. Yep. And at this stage, I'm talking with a group called the Northwest Road Safety Group, and we are hoping to mark some of those with green reflectors because you come up there in the daytime mm. and you'll see every second one's got great big black skid marks where a bloke's been looking for somewhere to stop. Whatever the reason, yep. 
it doesn't matter what the reason is. As you say, you hit a roo, you've got to check to make sure he hasn't put a guard back on and he, you're going to blow a tyre half an hour down the road. Mm. God forbid you might need a pee, but you, you've got to say that the rest areas on the hume are pretty good. It's just the gaps and the capacity that, that lets us down. I've asked for so long, mate, that we need to do a study on where fatigue crashes occur. Mm. I would guarantee that if you did such a study, you would find that they occur within half an hour of places where there's either not enough rest areas or none. Yeah. Because none of us want to drive till we fall asleep. No, that's true. I don't know. A single driver wants to do that. But if there's nowhere to stop, what do you do? You have to keep going till you find that place. And unfortunately, some blokes don't get there. Well, that's right. And as you rightfully said before, it seems to me that the trend these days is to throw technology at things. And that's all viewed as being the silver bullet, the fatigue management devices and the tracking and the cameras and making sure the driver's doing his job. I'm a little bit more concerned about the scheduler doing his job, the freight forwarder doing their job. I think that the problems extend way beyond the driver. Yeah, well, like this chain of responsibility, mm. it's a marvellous concept, but we're still the ones swinging at the end of the chain. That's right. We're the one that's responsible for delivering the freight. We're responsible to the business owner to make him a profit and get it there. We're responsible to road authorities to comply with laws they impose upon us. Mm. We're responsible to the customer to be there when it suits them, but that's it, mate. It's a marvellous concept, but it hasn't got to the people that have that responsibility and none of them has been held to account. Mm. It's still us. You'd still find the driver, punish the driver, and that'll solve the problem. Well, I'm sorry. Anybody that thinks that's the case has obviously missed the point altogether. Yeah. Well, you'll be pleased to know that Queensland is set to become the most expensive place to get fined in Australia. All right. Oh, yeah, they've got the things up there, mate. Everything's going up on July the 1st. Yes, I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, drive without a seatbelt, 1078 bucks. Yes, yep. Drive while using the phone, 1,033. Run a red light, 575. And the fines for exceeding the speed limit are getting a little bit exciting as well. So Queensland's the place to be, I suppose. If, you, if you're going to break the rules and get caught, they're certainly going to take it back out of your wallet. Well, mate, there was a review of the speed cameras, the, the roadside speed cameras in New South Wales. I contributed to that. I see there's recommendations out of that, which I'm yet to read. Mm. I've just done a story for our local paper. They read me some of them. Yep. And I've argued, mate, I don't know how much time you spent driving around Dubbo. The three places I see speed cameras in Dubbo is one at the bottom of a little hill. Yep. Never seen an accident or anybody killed there. One over the top of the hill where you're sort of heading out towards Narromine. So you've accelerated up the hill, you go over the top of the hill, you roll over a little bit and one at the top of the hill heading south out of Dubbo. Now, I understand they want you to comply. Got no problem with that intent. Yep. I understand that if there's a dangerous intersection or something like that where people won't slow down and someone's died there, then they do something to help you slow down. They put a speed camera there because someone's died there. Yep. But, mate, when they go and put them at the bottom of the only hill in Dubbo when there's never been an accident there, then that's not about road safety. That's about making money. Hmm. And I want people to be safe. I want them to be safe because I want them to understand sharing a road with trucks, which they're not taught when they get their license. And that's another argument for another day. Yep. I want them to have an understanding of the fact that simply because they pull out in front of a truck, it's not going to stop because they pulled out in front of it. It's going to run over them and they're going to die. We're going to get the blame for it. But if they were educated about that when they got their license, perhaps they wouldn't do that, yep. then I wouldn't be involved in that accident. They wouldn't die. And all of those things that every single driver that's done line haul and driven bigger trucks knows that those are things that we can't prevent. No matter how good a driver I am, and I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else, mate. I may never make that claim. But no matter how well I drive or you drive or Fred or Bill or Sue drives, if someone else does something stupid mm. and we become involved in the accident, there's nothing I could have done to prevent that. Yep. And we still get the blame. We still get the fines. We still get the penalties. This HBNL review has gone on two years. And is it going to change things? I really hope so, but I'm getting more and more frustrated. Yep. And the one thing I will say to probably finish this up, mate, is that with those recommendations from the Senate inquiry, there's 10 of them. Now, not everybody wants all 10 done. That's fine. Yeah. Everybody's entitled to an opinion. But the 10th one is that we have some form of industry group or body that has a say. Yes. Now, I will argue that the ATA is there for those groups that it represents, and that's all of the state industry associations and others. 
they aren't there for the driver. Not from where I sit. No, that's right. The National Road Freighters are all people who have driven trucks, have been in the industry and still or drive trucks, are still involved with them. And if we could get a body that instead of, for example, Transport for New South Wales saying, oh, we're going to go and do 40 kilometres of road southbound from Bogger, we should at least have had a say in that before they tore up one centimetre of dirt. Yeah. We should have been able to say, well, what are you doing with the rest here? These 27 spaces, we must at least retain that many or put some more in. Oh, yep, yep, well, let, well let's leave two kilometres of road. There's 20 bays. Fantastic. Job done. Yep. They actually would have saved money instead of paying to tear it up we would have got a facility. That's right. Now, we need somewhere that, in theory, two things. We need a national rest area strategy because otherwise we lose 20 spaces on that bit of road. We leave 10 on another road. We leave two spaces because someone does a road realignment and instead of giving us free parking bays, they tear them up. Yep. We need a say in the laws and the penalties. We need a say in how it affects us and where we need rest areas. And if we could do that, Along with that $80 million they've offered, if we get some good value out of that, we could make our industry safer within 12 months. Yeah. Safer. Not perfect. No, safer. Not stop every crash. Yeah. But we could do something of value to every driver on the road. And you and I have done this for a long time. We don't do it because we've got nothing better to do with our time. Mm. We don't do it because we're getting paid for it. We don't do it because anybody recognises us. Mate, the time I put into owner driver, into night shift, into national road freighters, yeah. that all comes out of my time. Yes. Above driving full time. And I do it for one thing that I don't want truck drivers killed on the road. I don't want anybody killed. And I can't stop it, but I can do my best to try and help lessen it. Yeah. And that's a lot of the reasons why I do what I do too. So, 9th of July, mate, National Road Freighters Association Conference. It's a free conference. Yep. I expect the only thing we should say is that if you're going to come along because it's, it's a catered thing, there's a morning tea and a luncheon and, and that sort of thing being provided, you should at least contact NRFA and let them know that you're coming so they can cater. Yep, through the Facebook page or the website, mate, or there's a number of avenues available there. We welcome anybody. Yes, there is a dinner that night. You've certainly got to buy a ticket if you want to come to the dinner because that's something that's got to be paid for. Yep. But then we've got a free truckies breakfast on the Sunday morning. We are hoping to have health in gear there with some free health checks. We are hoping to have NHVR there to answer questions, not to badger you, but to answer reasonable questions. Yep. And at this stage, mate, IcePack or Halltech Engineering have offered to contribute towards the breakfast. So we're hoping that truckies might get a $10 voucher or something like that to go and get a breakfast at the BP because they're allowing us to use their site. Yep. So we've got to give them something back. They'll give us a free coffee for anybody that turns up. And as I say, we're hoping to have something towards a breakfast. So come along. You'll be there to do some podcasts. I will. I'll be there to talk to people. Yep. Yep. At this stage, my mate from White Line Television, Stephen McCarthy, he's going to come on the Saturday and he's going to film our panel session. Right. Because we want to be open. We want people to know what we're doing and why we're doing it. And we're going to put that up. And mate, again, we welcome anybody to participate and contribute. And as I've said to many, it's bloody hard doing it on your own. I don't care whether you join NatRoad or the QTA or NRFA or the union. As long as you get in and do something constructive instead of sitting on your bum and whinging that it's all no good. That's right, 100%. All right, Rod, thanks for coming on the show and having a chat with us, mate. And if I don't see you before, I'll see you on the 9th of July at Toowoomba. Look forward to it, mate. Take care and safe travelling to all out there. You can call me there, Andy. Yeah, mate, got you go. Mate, we're coming up that level crossing we were talking about before. Looks like we're going to be stopping. Roger that. Look at the size of that thing. They tell me they take about two k's to stop. That's like 20 times the length of the MCG. Would want to be playing chicken with that. Yeah, copy that. They can't exactly swerve either, can they? They're stuck to the tracks, mate. <laughs> it's not that hard to wait till it's safe to cross and make sure the road's clear on the other side. Yeah, not like that bloke last week who forgot about the length of his trailer. Yeah, I heard about that one. It's not really funny, though, when you think about it. Poor old train driver. Probably been having nightmares ever since. Yeah, I reckon. We're all in the same boat, really, mate. Everyone just wants to get home safe at the end of the day. Yeah, not wrong on that one. There goes the last carriage. Looks like we're safe to head off now. Thanks, Mike. Long way to go. After you, old mate. 
This is a message from Queensland Rail reminding us that it's important to stay alert and obey any signs and signals when approaching level crossings to help keep you and everyone else safe. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. Wesley Dean is an Australian singer-songwriter now based in Nashville, the spiritual home of country music. We've shared some of his music with you before, and this week we're proud to release his brand new single, taken from his Unknown album. Here's Wesley Dean with Gaslighter. Right now 
all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. G'day, Mike. You got your voice back this week. I have got my voice back and how, mate. You wait. I've got some things to say. Oh, well, it was fun while it lasted. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, I was talking over the fence to my teenage neighbour the other day. Right. And he's doing an assignment for school that requires him to ask people what the most significant historical event that's happened in their lifetime is. Right. So I thought for a moment and said, as people my age probably would, well, it'd have to be the moonwalk. Yep. And he laughed and said, really, I thought you would have been too old to have been into Michael Jackson. Bloody kids. Bloody kids. I've been lobbing cane toads over the fence into his yard with my trusty old 7-iron ever since. I think you should. Yeah. Yeah. Got him sorted. We reported a little while ago the story of a young livestock truckie who, following a horrific accident in Colac six months ago, tragically lost both her legs. Yep. Well, there's an update come through on Michelle Pillar's situation. Mm. The Mortlake Roadhouse in Western Victoria set up a range of fundraising initiatives to raise badly needed funds to go towards her rehabilitation and the challenges she's going to face into the future. Mm. Michelle is quoted as saying to the owner of the roadhouse that she's filled with gratitude for all that has been done to help her and the support she's received has made her feel like she can do and be anything she wants to, thanks to the selflessness of all involved. She went on to say that despite the grief and the loss, she wants to show everyone else that they can do whatever they want or have to do to live a happy life and that no matter what you go through, if there's a will, there's a way. What a remarkable young woman. Yes, indeed. What a remarkable young woman. Mm. A transport company operating out of Caratha and Perth has been convicted of 24 charges under the WA Workplace Fatigue Management Laws as well as copping $89,000 in fines, Mike. Mate, yeah, this is for all of those that think that there are no fatigue rules in Western Australia. Yeah. Surprise. Surprise. (laughs) There certainly are fatigue laws over there. I think the story's a little bit incorrect, though. I should say former WA Transport Company because they no longer trade. Oh, okay. JSS Logistics Proprietary Limited, they were a privately owned company that mostly transported machinery and portable buildings around mine sites, etc. Mm. Pleaded guilty to breaching fatigue management regulations and were fined in the Midland Magistrate Court. 21 charges and they were penalised a global penalty of $80,000 and three charges of breaching record-keeping regulations for which they were fined $9,000. So there are rules in WA, just they're enforced very differently. And you'll notice that it's the company that's getting it in the neck, not the drivers. Mm. As we so frequently say, I think there's something in that for all of us. I know that there is. (laughs) It's something that's going to be coming up on the 9th of July at the National Road Freighters Association Conference when we get a chance to have a bit of a chat to some of the uh, lawmakers there. Good. Mike, across the other side of the country in New South Wales, news to hand that major construction on the $2.2 billion Coffs Harbour bypass is set to begin next year. Yep, $2.2 billion with a B. Yeah. How does it ever get to be that expensive, I wonder? I have no idea. I just don't understand. It's 14 kilometres of Pacific Highway around Coffs Harbour. Mm. This is the last link, the missing link, so to speak, in the dual highway chain up the east coast. Mm. The upgrade's going to deliver four lanes, so two lanes either way, bypassing Coffs and the CBD, which is 12 sets of traffic lights and 35 minutes, I suppose it can be through there, depending on the time of day. I think that it's a fantastic thing. It's only... 30 years, I think, Mm. in the making, this little bypass. Mm. Now what we've got to do is we've got to convince them that they need to look at the Bruce Highway in Queensland. Yeah, well, there's that. Won't we? Yeah. And that any major road works that helps to make our roads safer and easier to traverse Mm. is a big deal, but this one's a really big deal. Well, New South Wales Transport and Roads Minister Sam Faraway said that the bypass will transform travel in the region and divert 12,000 vehicles away from the CBD, saving motorists around 12 minutes off their trip. Well, it's going to do more than that. It's going to save a hell of a lot of frustration, mm-hmm. and it's going to produce, I think, a real safety outcome. There are some narrow roads off Camber Corners down there, particularly in the little kink driving through costs, for those who know it, northbound. Mm-hmm. There's a lovely little kink to the left and then to the right, and it's got a big hump in it, and it <laughs> unbalances everything. <laughs> All this talk of kinks and humps, mate, I tell you. Kinks and humps, mate, I am not going to miss it, I can tell you. No, good. <laughs> okay. Nothing like a kinky hump, mate. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> oh, dear. 
Deakin University, in partnership with Lynn Fox and the Transport Accident Commission, is using virtual reality, or more simply VR as the geeks and the tech heads call it, to help educate young, inexperienced drivers learn to drive safely around heavy vehicles. Mate, and it's brilliant, isn't it brilliant? Deakin University, my alma mater. They're getting stuck right into this sort of stuff. And you know what else is more interesting? Mm-hmm. Lynn Fox is sponsoring this as well. Yeah, it is. Now, for all those who want to bag Lynn Fox, they are putting their money where their mouth is. They sponsored the fatigue research through Monash University with Professor Ross Isles, who have done the interview with. Yep. They sponsored this. The heavy vehicle safety initiative from the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator is behind this as well. Mm. There is money being spent on things. Education for those non-truck drivers is one of those things that we've been calling for for years. Yeah. So if they're going to get out there and spend what would be substantial amounts of money in doing the research and then doing the education that goes along with it, I think as an industry, we've got to be happy. Yep. And Lynn Fox deserves a pat on the back, I think, for taking the lead in this area because there are other companies around that are as big as Lynn Fox that don't do very much at all. Mm. So, Lindsay, for all those who bag him, I would suggest he probably does deserve a bit of a pat on the back for this one. Putting his mouth where his money is. Well, he does. Professor Horan, who is one of the lead people on the project, says that many young drivers are shocked by their lack of awareness after experiencing the simulated scenarios. Mm. And then they're realising just how risky their inexperience can be. And that's what it's all about, showing them that they need to pay attention. They don't understand the challenges of driving heavy vehicles. They haven't been around long enough. No. For those of us that sit behind the wheel of the big jiggers, we know what it's like. But they don't, and they make silly little mistakes, which unfortunately can cost them dearly sometimes. Yep. I can only thank Lindsay Fox and Lynn Fox as a group and the people that are doing this project for what I think is really something really very important. Oh, look, I agree wholeheartedly. And I, I tell you what, if I throw you a few extra dollars, can you throw into the program there to educate young and experienced drivers how to learn to drive safely around motorcycles as well? Oh, yeah. I am sick and tired of P-platers trying to knock me off my bike. Yeah. When I ride my bike, mate, I'm always riding like everyone's trying to kill me. Yeah, but isn't yours a three-speed dragster? It's a dragster with the three-speed centre shift. The T-bar. Mate, and the tassels on the end of the handlebars. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I can see you on one of them. Go to bigrigs.com.au to check out all the news stories. Thanks very much, Andy. You're welcome. <laughs> mate, just quickly, we're pretty much done with the news, but you sent me an old 60-minute video clip that was something else. Yeah. 60 minutes, mate. Don't you hate it when it takes you an hour and a half to watch 60 minutes? you got to get a newer TV, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get a newer TV. Mate, it was, yeah, it was about 2005 when the piece was called Highway to Hell. Mm. And it focused on some bad behaviour by a former Queensland trucking company called Harkers and focused on some incidents that they'd had happened and the fact that they hadn't learned from them. There were some pretty gross generalisations in there. They were talking about truck drivers, wasn't they? Well, we're all drug takers and we're all murderers and speeding was our thing. We love to speed. Mm. It was just one of those things. I think, as you uh, as you rightly said, we're probably all worse than anti-vaxxers back in the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just watching through the video, there were like many, many moments of WTF, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thinking, yeah, yeah. really? They said that? They, they did. And they got away with it, which I suppose surprised me a little bit. That actual news story on 60 Minutes was the very reason that I got involved. It was a week after that I flew to Sydney and uh, took part in the driver's forum that they held there. I remember when you flew up for that, your arms were tired for weeks, weren't they? They were. They They had a seat for Harkers to sit there and, of course, if you didn't turn up, they made a a big deal out of that. Mm. That was my first step into the media and advocating for truck drivers and talking about safety and that back then. Yeah. I'll put a link to the video in the show notes so people can go and have a look. It's worth having a look, guys. Particularly if you're an incredibly happy person, you've always got a smile on your face. Watch that. That'll get you in a cranky mood. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you've got to see it to believe it. It's incredible. Yeah. Now, you've got something else you want to talk about? Yes, there was something more. Mate, I had a listener on the phone earlier in the week and... I drew the ire of SARTA during the week because I made a comment about something they posted on Facebook. They said, oh, they've got the transport minister to listen to them about the fuel rebate. Well, I can get the minister to listen to it. All it takes is a phone call. Whether they actually do anything or not is another matter. Yep. But the listener said to me, do we really want the fuel tax credit back? Mm. And then he pointed out the fact that 
diesel fuel at the moment is about 227, 228 cents a litre at the moment. Yep. That means that when they took off the uh, excise they took off, they took off about 22 cents, right? Mm. The diesel fuel rebate's only about 17 and a half cents. Yep. So right now we're actually four cents a litre better off about, somewhere about there. Yeah, well, that's helpful. That's helpful. Mm. The difference is, and I pointed out to SADA, and they can't seem to see the wood for the trees, they're fixated on the idea that they've lost this 17 and a half cents. They're not actually getting it in a lump sum in three months when they put their business activity statement in. They're getting it at the pump right now, straight away. Yep. What their issue is that they're saying that businesses are using the fuel tax credit to offset their GST. Mm. This to me is a worrying thing because they're bringing their GST, which is money that they don't actually own, it belongs to the tax department, they have to collect it. And there's a whole discussion you could have about that. But they're using that GST money to prop up their cash flow. Yep. And the issue that I pointed out is that now, when they go to do their business activity statement, they're not going to have that fuel tax credit money to offset that GST. The money's going to have to be found. Yep. And the next business activity statement is going to tell the story. Yeah. SADA won't have a bar of it. They want this 17 cents back. So here's what's going to happen. When the fuel goes back up in September, like they've said it will, it's going to go back up by over the 22 cents because the fuel price will have gone up a little bit by then, I'm sure. Yeah. The fuel tax credit may or may not come back. If it does come back, it's going to fall short of what the price of fuel going up is. And here's the rub. You pay your fuel bill every month, not every quarter. Yeah. The fuel tank's credit is not going to help you with your fuel bill. It's just not. So you're going to be behind. You're not going to get the money. And what's going to happen is that those who don't have the financial reserve or the ability to manage their money properly are going to go by the wayside. Mm. And that's the nature of a capitalist system. If we're a capitalist system, failure is part of it. It sets the bar for what you can't do. And any successful businessman has usually been broke at least once. Yeah, that's true. Because you've got to learn the lessons. There's only one way to learn the lessons, only one way. The hard way. Anyway, I wanted to say thanks to the listeners that ring me up on this stuff because there are several of you out there who regularly call me and share your opinions. So I hope I faithfully represented what that listener from Ballarat said to me. And I agree with it 100%. So Hmm. have a bit of a think about it. If you're in business and you're relying on that fuel tax credit to stay afloat, perhaps you should be looking for an exit strategy. Yep, absolutely. Yep. All right, mate, thought for the week? Yes, please. One of the most amazing women I've known of in my lifetime, the wonderful Lucille Ball. Yes. Is said to have once said, a man who can correctly guess a woman's age is very clever, but he's not very bright. Yes. Mm. Not very bright if he says anything anyway. <laughs> That's it. It's a one-way trip to the emergency ward, that is. Well, it could be. Mm. But wasn't she a great woman, Lucille Ball, though? Oh, she was awesome. Loved her. Good. Have a good one, mate. I will indeed. You too, bud. I'll spot you later. Indeed. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, g'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. Oh, am I the only one who says I'm fine? Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. Hey, I'm fine, but I'm not. So let the truth be told. Hey, it's Blake Dandier here, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy. Time for something to talk about, something to think about. 
those of you who are regular listeners to the show will know that I was a little bit under the weather last week. I started with the lurgy at the start of the week and decided to go to work. I thought I'll come good as I go along and expected, you know, within a day or so I'd be right. But unfortunately, it sort of stuck around for the whole week. Did the rat to make sure I didn't have the rain or it was just some sort of other ordinary garden variety bug. So felt a little bit second air for all of the week, bit of a sore throat, things like that. I thought it'd be a good idea to have a bit of a talk about getting sick on the road and the sort of things that I cart about with me in the truck should I need to use it. So the first thing I would like to say, I suppose, if you're actually good, you go to work and you get sick on the road, it's unpleasant. And you've got to decide, I suppose, whether you're actually going to stay out for the rest of the week and do your job or if you're 2,000 k's away from home, what are you going to do? Obviously, you need to talk to the boss and let them know that you're crook or if you're an owner-driver, make your own mind up what you want to do. And don't be bullied into going and driving if you don't really feel up to it. If you don't feel up to it, you can't concentrate. You're a danger to yourself and others. It's your responsibility as a professional driver to say, no, I can't do it. And some red-hot, important load that's got to be there, it's not worth the amount of pain and aggravation you can cause yourself. Quite simply, we don't get paid enough for that sort of stuff. Things that I cart about in the truck with me, I've got a little bit of a list of things that I cart about. I'll tell you what I cart and I'll tell you why I cart it. And I'm sure most of you will know what these things are and what they're for. And there'll be some things here that you might not expect. So we've all got, or we should all have at least, a first aid kit. And in that first aid kit, you're going to have your basic dressings. You're going to have basic antiseptic creams. You're going to have a basic set of forceps and a basic set of scissors and some rudimentary band-aids. No one in trucking spends a lot of money on a first aid kit for a truck, at least in my experience. You should have one, and it should be there to be used in the event that you injure yourself. For me personally, I've got my first aid kit, which isn't too bad, but I've also got a bag of stuff that I keep for my own personal use. So right off the top, I've got a decent pair of scissors and a decent pair of forceps, and I've got something to get a splinter out of my finger with if I want to. And they're things that I've bought for the quality of them. The stuff that you find in the routine first aid kits, it's all perfectly adequate, but I have a really good set of forceps that you can grip on something with. That's my choice. And as far as something to get a splinter out with, not all first aid kits have those. Have a look in your first aid kit and see if you've got them. You do need to have something to get a bloody splinter out of your finger with. Putting up with a small splinter can cause you more pain than it's worth. And some good quality band-aids. Not those plastic crappy things, but some good quality ones that are going to stick on and stay on. And get them a little bit oversized because it makes it a little bit easier to apply, particularly if you're on your own. And use them and change them regularly. As far as the rest of it goes, there are some things that I have. I've got Voltaren Emil Gel, which I will use to rub on a strain or something like that. I've also got some Nurofen tablets. Now that's just ibuprofen. It's an anti-inflammatory. Some guys I know carry an antihistamine. If you've got hay fever or something like that, you'll be very familiar with those. You have to be careful with them, though. Read the instructions. Make sure you know what's going on there. Some Panadol for a headache or aspirin or something like that is always handy. The big one, though, some Imodium. If you're caught short and you start to get the dose of the runs, a couple of Imodium can make you feel like a normal human being fairly quickly. I don't think that there's anything worse than getting the runs while you're at work because we all know muddy toilets and facilities are few and far between. None of us really likes heading for the scrub with a toilet roll, but if you've got no choice, that's what you've got to do. A couple of Imodium, that can sort you out pretty quick smart. I always cut some decent antiseptic ointment. That's just my choice. I also cart some Bongella. Now, Bongella is something that's very, very handy for mouth ulcers and little cuts on the gums and things like that. Oral care is something that we really don't do very well in this country, but also access to dentists on the road next to impossible. You damn near need to be dead before they'll even look at you with a sore tooth. And sometimes it's just one of those services that's very, very hard for us to access. So some things to look after your mouth and deal with things that are going to happen on the side of the road, very, very, very important. If you're someone that wears dentures and you get a little cut in your gum, you all know how painful that is. Get some Bongella, put it inside your plate and put that on. You'll be surprised at how much of a difference it makes to your mental health and well-being really smartly. Oil of cloves. Now, this is the one that probably a lot of you don't know about. Oil of cloves is a great pain reliever. 
If you put oil of cloves on a sore tooth or a tooth decay part that you've got there or a filling's fallen out or something like that, it's not the most pleasant thing to put in your mouth, but I'll tell you what, it does knock the pain over really, really quickly. Toothache on the road before you can get to a dentist, absolutely one of the most unbearable things in the world, speaking from experience. Now, oil of cloves is something you can buy at the chemist, and if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you've got a toothache and a chemist is 200 k's away, it's a long two-hour drive or three-hour drive. So get some and put it in your medical bag. I also got some tinnaderm for obvious reasons. Sometimes through the best of intentions, some of our colleagues <laughs> leave us little gifts in the shower. And tinnier is one of those things that's extremely unpleasant. So some tinnaderm spray can change your mental health and well-being really quickly. So that's just a few of the things that I cart around with me. It's all in my shower bag. You'd be surprised how often some of those things you'll just use and it makes life so much better on the road. This is not medical advice. This is the stuff that I cart about. Obviously, some of you will have your own ideas about things that you want to cart about with you. Got any questions about any of that? Please feel free to drop me an email. I'd love to know what you cart about with you and I'm sure our listeners would love to know as well. It's one of those things we don't really think about until it's too late, until you've got the toothache or until you're feeling a bit ordinary on the side of the road. The key thing is that if you do get crook on the road, find yourself somewhere safe to pull up, find yourself somewhere safe to rest, somewhere with some facilities, a toilet and all that sort of stuff. Remember also that the local area police will know where you can find a doctor, where the 24-hour doctors are, and the local hospital can possibly help you. Now, it's a pain sometimes to get to some of these places, but a taxi's cheap and you really do need to look after yourself when you're on the road. Have a think about it, have a talk about it, and if you feel like it, drop me a line, mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au or give me a call, 0418 722 488. That's 0418 722 488. I love talking to the listeners. It's one of the things that I find gives me a great amount of satisfaction to help people out that are on the road, and it's one of the things we do. Keep it safe, and we'll see you on the road. A month or so ago, we interviewed Aussie country music balladeer, the singing gypsy Scotsman Colin Lilly. Colin has just released a brilliant new single, which features his rich, raw voice. Easing us out of the show this week, here's Colin Lilly with The Headlights. I was raised up tough with a thin skin And I can get you in trouble I learned how to blow Cause I lived rough And hid in the rubble I dug deeper down To get out of that town And aim for the sun I was never really free I always chased me Now there's nowhere to run I can show you the sunshine through the trees I can be the headlights that you need But I can't save you Even if I wanted to Some deep water You're as cold as ice You're running through the night You're spinning like a quarter And history's not a fool You're learning the rules But you're losing the game I know the spell that you're under I can be the headlights that you need, but I can't 
that's the show for another week. Thanks for coming along for the ride. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. And Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. Be sure to join us again next week when Mike says... Onward and upward. Andy says... Can I say something else? I can't remember what it was. Couldn't have been important. And our guest says... Don't put this in the podcast. Until then, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. I can show you the sunshine through the trees I can be the headlights that you need But I can't see